Hello and welcome to episode 1231 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Monday, November 20th. I'm your host, Paul Spora, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Well, good afternoon over here. Good morning to you. We're in the uh, we're in the crossover time frame here. How are you doing? Good, good day. How about good that? Day. Good day. Good day. Yes, yes. We can be proper to you. Good day, sir. Yes, yes. Good day to you. Uh, I'm doing well, man. It's uh, it's Thanksgiving week. Um, the wife is uh, still uh, rehabbing. Uh, but improving? But yeah. Uh, she's one of those people that like can't sit still. So um, I can relate. You know. Yeah. So uh, trying to get her to um, just relax a little bit. It's been a little bit of a, a problem. But uh, she's getting better. Uh, so that's if she's good. short-term relaxed be a quicker rehab but instead not relaxing yeah. it's prolonging the rehab right yeah because we don't want to have a setback right exactly and, you know exactly. you have to restart the rehab assignment and everything i cut her from my shallow league oh, rosters but I i'm it. just i don't know come back after the new year what am i going to yeah. do with that yeah and you like she, what's weird is like you know i cut her and she sent me an angry letter saying i mm -hmm. saw you cut me in a league like how does she she gets notifications every time someone cuts her in a league can yeah. you imagine if players got that? <laughs> You've been cut 462 times. <laughs> we got some transactions to talk about. And, you know, I was looking back at some old stuff. Uh, today we're actually going to talk forward. We're going to talk steamer, uh, some surprising steamer stat lines. But I was looking back to see if we had some, like, sleeper stuff. And we do have more that we can get into. But you know what I noticed was by this time, like, by, about two weeks from now, cycle it back a year. So, you know. 50 weeks ago or no no that'd be 54 weeks ago then is that what i'm trying to say is almost everything was done by december 9th when i was looking back at the old pods yeah. like the early december pod the title was four miles long because of all the people that had signed and i wanted to put all the big names in that i could and then the next pod was like the rest it was back-to-back -back pods like everyone signed and that time frame was within the next two to three weeks and so i'm wondering if we get that again now that was pretty unique I'm not mm -hmm. saying we're going to get it again, but wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if we did? I, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for because I am. Uh, I, I made the decision already this year that I would not do projections on free agents until they've signed. Uh, I think that's fair. So I think it's just it. There's just too much to changes. Yeah, um, you know, and so I am pretty much just waiting for guys to sign before. Um, I, I make projections. I think it's really, really interesting too, because usually it's like we have to wait for the big domino to fall and then the other mm -hmm. big dominoes fall and then these little dominoes fall. And this year it's feeling like dominoes are falling out of order. Yes, uh, they are. We're going to get know? into, well, actually we have one big one smaller, like we, yeah, we exactly. kind of a mix like, so far, you know, but we're to getting, your point, we're, we're getting, they're not kind falling of in like, order. Yeah, they're not. We're not getting Otani and then Nola and then you know this guy and then the guy, that guy. You know, we're getting. You know, we got Nola, we got Lynn, we got Ronaldo Lopez. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> like we got some. We got some inter interesting trades. Yeah. Um, Atlanta's been big on some moves already. In fact, they are the ones that signed Raylo. We're going to get into that. We got some interesting non-tenders that are coming up, um, or that that have happened. Like, we got some stuff to get into. So let's just dive in. Let's talk about Aaron Nola. That, now that's a big chip that falls and maybe that opens up some things but he's not the top chip right a lot of times in free agent markets yeah you, you you're what you were saying we like we wait for the otani chip to fall and then everybody else the thing with him though is nobody's like him usually the reason there is something like that is because there are like players and so it's like okay 
big dog needs to set the market for B, C, and D players to follow suit. Otani is his own thing. Yeah. So is Nola the next big, like he's the number one after that? Is he the number one SP? Plus, Otani doesn't even pitch this year. So did that actually fall in order with him staying home in, in, uh, in Philly, do you think? I don't know. I mean, you, I would think that the reigning NL Cy Young would be the big chip. I, right? I think that's a fair point to make with uh, Blake Snell. And then you've got the wild card, but a a you know high end wild card of Yoshinobu Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Um, many believe that he could be the top dog of the pitching mm-hmm. market, but it would be unique for a Japanese player to sign to kind of set the market, right? I still think that yeah. he's kind of his own thing. He has been officially posted today, by the way, by the Oryx Buffaloes. So the window's he's, open now. Especially because, like, you know, like there's a posting fee that goes along with it mm-hmm. that plays into how much teams are willing to spend. Um, so, like, I don't think he's a fair uh, kind of also set off to the, the side. Yeah. Again, so. not. We, we've moved both Asian players up to the side, not because they're Asian, but because of the, the uniqueness of their Otani yeah. is his own unicorn. Mm-hmm. Yamamoto is coming over and we just don't know. So then you get in battle between Nola and Snell. And I think you can make the strong case that Snell would be the top dog and Nola goes before him. But Nola also didn't sign with a new team. So and supposedly took less money to stay to return, so, to return to Philadelphia. Do we really get any insights into how the market might go? with him resigning in Philly. By the way, for those that don't know, resigning seven years with Philly, um, $172 million deal. I love it. You know I like when the guy stays. Um, you can even get three, maybe four mediocre to bad years out of that deal. But then when you look at it as an all-encompassing thing for Philadelphia, they don't have to be as worried that he gives five good years out of a seven-year deal because they got him for 700000 when he's putting up eight war. Yeah. Um, but do you think that this even dictates anything in the market because he, A, took less and B, Nola stayed home? Um, I mean, I think it dictates a little bit because, I mean, it'll get out what he was uh get offered from other teams so snell can kind of pivot off of those uh you know and and all the other starting pitchers um you can kind of pivot off of you know those uh but yeah i mean it's just yeah it's interesting i'm i was i'm a little surprised i think everybody thought that nola or a lot of people thought that nola was going to end up in like st louis or, or a different team it's you know, it's a fine landing spot because we kind of know what to expect know from Nola. Expect, yeah. But it's not a good park. We were hoping for a park upgrade. We were hoping, we're hoping for, for a defensive defense upgrade. upgrade. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe even a division upgrade if he went to the central. Yeah. So, uh, like, uh, he was my first starting pitcher in our gladiator league. And, now and it would have been nice for him to go now the cards. Bumming on that, you know, yeah, so. because you know, we do know all the, uh, all the ups and downs that come with him being in Philly. And we've seen some up and down seasons due to some variants of the park. Maybe the home runs go out a bit more the defense because they can't get to the balls uh, that, you know, he, he gets put in play. Aaron Nola is a stud though. I still really like him. He's just mm-hmm. such a Cardinals fit. The interesting thing is though, there's, we can say that about so many guys in this market that they're going to get their three or four dudes that they're bringing in and they're all going to make sense including the one that they re-signed yeah. that they brought back 
which is Lance Lynn. And that went live right before you and I jumped on. And we both talked about how we were this close to taking him as our last gladiator pick. I went Tyler Wells instead, but I hovered over him, man. Like I had him clicked up there where it says draft mm -hmm. player add to queue. And I was like, or remove from queue because he was already in my queue. And I was like, ah, I'll get him elsewhere in like DCs or whatever. Cause I can't quit Lance Lynn. I know you have a hard time doing it too. Obviously, I love this move. It, he goes back to another good park. I understand the concerns with him, but we almost took him in the last pick of a gladiator, which is the 23rd round. Um, that's just 23 round. You get your, your starting team and that's it. Is this going to raise the price to a level that you're going to be uncomfortable with? Do you think with, with Lance Lynn? Let me give you his actual price right now. In DC's draft champions, 50 round draft and hold, it's 280. Um, as the 114th pitcher, that includes uh what's it called that includes relievers so mm -hmm. keep that in mind but it's about a 19th 20th round pick with a min of 173 so that yeah were you in that draft did you take him 173 i, I did not <laughs> okay that's pretty high with a max of 369 so he has a wide range here what is no uh, what is excuse me lance lynn to the cards do for you with your uh, undying love of him I mean, it, it definitely makes me more interested in him. Uh, it would have been uh, one of the best parks in baseball for him last year. If you look at like his ex home runs, he gave up 48 Jesus. home runs last year. Uh, he would have only given up 42 in St. Louis, uh, which is uh, tied for the second lowest uh, in baseball in terms of kind of park factors helping him out a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard because... I want to say like he just can't be as bad as he was last year, I and mean, that he should turn it around. But we're also talking about a guy who's like thirty nine, thirty seven, uh, but uh, thirty seven. Your point holds. Enough, yeah. Yep. Um, me being thirty nine now uh, has uh, influenced how I, I think of old players. Happy birthday so. over the uh, was it Friday? Uh, Thursday. Yeah. Thursday. That's right. Yeah. J uh, Jason Trump, me there. Stupid mm -hmm. iPhone automatically sends the message at nine in the morning. But you are in my phone, and you have been for years. You, you oh. know. Jason, you know, I got my close buddies. I, Cause I'm not great at remembering them automatically. My yeah. sister, dude, I, I think I've told this on the show before, like meets somebody one time, their birthday random randomly comes up in combo. That's locked in her brain. She's like, remember that person we met in a bar seven years ago? It's their birthday today. I'm like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? But anyway, happy birthday to you. Hopefully you had a good uh, weekend celebration. I know you were rehabbing the family, but uh, mm -hmm. you are now 39. You are two years older than Lance Lynn. Um, but the home runs are still a concern. So I don't think either of us are advocating to overload on him. Again, we both wouldn't pull the trigger, uh, couldn't pull the trigger on him in the gladiator. Of course, we didn't know he was going to St. Louis. Would you have definitely done it? Do you think if you knew? If he goes to St. Louis at six this morning and you made your, I don't know when you made your last pick, but it had to be recent because I made mine last night. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I made mine. Um, I think it was the last night or really early this morning. So let's say he does um, and it yesterday finished, it evening. Finished, it finished just like, 20 minutes ago so yeah. like the news was out for the last people picking and other and people nobody said no. nobody pulled the trigger the problem with the gladiator format so for those who have never played the gladiator format mm -hmm. or think about it it you it's a 23 round draft you know standard roster nfbc rosters standard five by five rotom the part that's not standard is you have no bench and so you are using all of those 23 guys every week all no matter year. what you don't have to set a lineup you know, you don't have to do fab, which is great. And one of the reasons why it's become so popular is there's no in-season work. The problem is one, especially bad pitcher, can sink your season. And I mm -hmm. learned this lesson last year because one of my starting pitchers was Alec Manoa. 
And I, I think I did the math on it. Like, had I not drafted Alec Manoa and I had just drafted a – if I had drafted a player who got Tommy John before the start of the season, <laughs> I would have finished first or second in the league. And I didn't cash. I didn't finish in the top three. I came close. Um, so, like, one really bad pitcher can kind of sink your season in that yep. format. That's a great and point. So, drafting a guy like Lance Lynn, and the reason I didn't draft him was because – he was so just so bad. Like in, and like, you'd have to eat type of guy every yeah, ounce. You'd of have it. to eat every ounce of it. So, um, I think in draft champions, he's definitely going to be a guy that I target. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may be even a guy I target in your you know standard you know thirty round drafts. Um, but yeah, in a gladiator format, I don't know that you should. I actually think you're making a case that that he is a bad fit. So maybe we were saved by not knowing mm-hmm. that he was in St. Louis. Because I probably would have pulled the trigger. Had, I think had, I would have. Had my pick not come up yet and he'd been still on the board for my last yep. pick um, or my last pitcher pick because I, I think I, t- I took Garrett Mitchell as a hitter in, my, in the last round. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I think I probably would have taken him. And I think yeah. that would have been a mistake, to be honest. Again, I, I was like already hovering. If you tell me he's St. Louis, I take Lance Lynn, I leave Tyler Wells, and then I'm possibly eating 40 more homers, and that wouldn't have been good. So we are back interested. Uh, just be careful, though, and format matters, and that's a great call about Gladiator because you don't get a re- – you can't cut. It's 23. Yeah. You eat them all, and there are instances where, like with Manoa, you'd have been better off with somebody who zeroed out in spring. Edwin mm-hmm. Diaz would have been a better pick for you than Malik Manoa exactly. because he actively hurt you. Uh, you mentioned that Raylo. Reynaldo Lopez, a show favorite, generally by me, signed mm-hmm. with uh, the Braves. And I said, ah, we don't have to talk about that. He'll never displace uh, Rysel Iglesias. But that's what I get for Glosson because I didn't read into it. Give us the details on this with Reynaldo Lopez. They're not just bringing him in to be a middle reliever. Yeah, so I, I can't remember where I saw it, but um, uh, people are talking about apparently he's going to be given an opportunity to stretch out as a starter uh, and then either use a starter or a reliever, depending on how he fares, depending on what team needs are. Like, you know, I mean, this was a team that uh, we thought had a lot of rotation depth coming into the year and then didn't have rotation depth when it really mattered. Uh, and so he could be stretched out as a starter and use a starter when they need a starter or put in the bullpen when they need a, a multi-inning guy. He's, uh, I think Jeff Zimmerman pointed out, that like he's just been atrocious as a starter. Like he's just been so yes. bad. Um, it and, doesn't work. Yeah, uh, and I mean, this is what I've said. I mean, I remember watching him pitch uh, live in in San Francisco when the Nationals uh, came to town one time, and I remember seeing him and going, "Man, this guy would be electric if he was just like a two inning guy." Uh, and and, and I, that I happened for a while. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's where he really should be, uh, but. I mean, he's going to have value, especially in draft champions leagues. Um, I don't know that he's got value in kind of a standard format, but in really, really deep leagues, uh, he's definitely a guy to kind of, you know, he's going to get usage and he's going to probably get more innings than a traditional high leverage reliever. Uh, and, you know, guy can strike guys out. So um, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, yeah, towards the end of your uh, draft champions leagues, I, I would throw a dart just because those kind of innings can be valuable, especially when you have injuries in other places. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, has gotten a lot of talk in recent years, I've definitely been part of that is like, we got to get out of the five inning or one anything. In fact, our boy Doug Thorburn was on this ages ago when he and I used to do yeah. five hour pods. 
And he said, you know, it, back then it was six inning, one inning. It's like everyone's in this binary of six inning or one inning. And there's a two to four inning role for guys that the league has not fleshed out uh, in a while. Like st stoppers, traditional stoppers, the first kind of closers, your Sparky Lyles, your Raleigh Fingers, is, 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 uh, your Goose Gossages, is, 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 is. those guys were two to three inning guys regularly, right? They came in from the seventh when it got hot in the middle of the seventh inning and then closed that sucker out. They weren't just one inning guys think there's more room for that in our game this day, these days and maybe Raylo fits that you know you give them 50 appearances but 100, 110 innings and I think that could be cool so I agree with you draft champions might have some flavor there especially if you believe in the Braves they've done pretty well with with mm -hmm. players and you know they don't turn everyone into magic you know, they don't have magic and turn everyone into a god but I like that they're taking a shot on Raylo and I'm kind of intrigued now that you tell me how they're going to use him. So that's interesting. Let's move on to a couple, uh, another deal. The Braves have been super busy, by the way. The, the Aaron Bummer deal that they did, uh, they brought back in Joe Jimenez and Pierce Johnson. Then they made this trade here that similar to the Aaron Bummer deal, I think the name value of what they gave in the Aaron Bummer deal made people think like, oh, they got ripped off because I know who George, Jared Schuster and Mike Soroka and Nicky Lopez are, and it maybe even Braden Shoemake, if if you're a deep enough fan that, that follows a guy like that. Um, so they got ripped because all they got was a middle reliever. I don't believe that to be the case, by the way. I think that yeah. trade was fine, as we discussed. Again, this is a name situation. They traded Kyle Wright for Jackson Coar. And I think a lot of people are going to say, what? Kyle Wright, he was an amazing pitcher two years ago. And that's true. He absolutely was. But what did he do this year? And what's his current status? It's not great, Bob. Um, he is obviously injured again, pitched 31 innings this year, not particularly good innings at that. And Jackson Coar is at least a live arm that a team like the, uh, the Braves that's fully in their window right now, they need somebody who can pitch. And Wright's going to miss the entire season with shoulder surgery. Coar for all his flaws, is still 27 years old, former first-round pick, top prospect type. Maybe they see some things that they can fix with him. But regardless, it's an arm they can use this year. What do you think of the Cal Wright for Jackson Coar deal? Obviously, Wright is like dynasty. Maybe you hold through this year if you really want to do a lottery ticket. So I'm kind of interested mostly in what you think of Coar and if he can be anything for the Braves. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Coar has been pretty bad. Um, been pretty rough in the majors. I think this is just like a uh, we're going to take a shot. Like you said, we know that Kowar is at least going to be able to pitch. Uh, he still has an MLB or MILB option, mm -hmm. um, you know, left. Whereas I think they just don't expect anything from Kyle Wright, at least in the next year. So uh, yeah, if he's, not, he's fully the out rest this of year. his career. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Kowar just can't find the plate. Um, and maybe they see something in his mechanics that they think they can fix. Um, but I mean, at this point, he's nothing more than kind of a, a low middle reliever kind of uh, guy. A yeah. Um, or yeah, or potentially a triple A filler. But I mean, he didn't start. He hasn't started any games uh, or no, he started one game in triple A last year. Like he's. He's not even. Oh, wow. So they were just relieving him there. Yeah. yeah so, so. Okay. So then there's really nothing. Yeah. But then, then again, the name value is like Jackson or um, uh, Kyle Wright. Holy crap. But when you're missing the whole year, you've had a bevy of injuries in the first place. Yeah. 2022 was great for him. But mm -hmm. I, I, I tend to trust the Braves and I think they know what they're doing here. So even though they gave a name. And by the way, I actually don't hate this for the, for the Royals. 
take the shot. No, if you're yeah, done with Coar, like this is another one that I think is win-win. I liked what the White Sox did with the Braves deal, and I like uh, I like what the uh, Royals do here. Take your especially shot, especially because if- they can put um they can they can put uh well Kyle Wright on the sixty man IL and won't count against no forty man yeah exactly. the forty man spot, so it allows them to potentially sign someone else or. Uh, take someone in the Rule Five draft, so mm-hmm. uh, I think that this for it, it made a lot of sense. I think for uh, for the Royals and probably makes a lot of sense for uh, for Atlanta too. I mean, just because uh, Coar has not been good and he's now a reliever doesn't mean you know he's still striking out a guy you know an inning. You know, we're still, still talking about seventy four innings over three years. It's been yeah. horrendous, but like. Think about what, you know, I know the easy go-to these days is like Lucas Giolito the year before he broke out. He's like quite literally the worst pitcher in baseball. Um, But, you know, I can, I don't have them off the top of my head, but I promise you I can go find a bunch of examples of guys that looked like they were dead and weren't ever going to offer anything in the majors before turning it around and and becoming something, right? Like 74 innings is nothing. I mean, one of the guys that I think, you know, could be a really interesting kind of comp uh, that turned his career around in Atlanta after struggling with the minors is Luke Jackson, right? Like, yeah, Luke Jackson was a guy who was top prospect with Texas, um, really, really struggled, uh, you know, ended up with Atlanta. And they said, okay, well, we're not going to have you start. Um, we'll keep you healthy and we're going to try to work on just making you a reliever. Uh, and he's turned into a pretty darn good reliever uh, and was great for the Giants this year. So, uh, for Atlanta last year. So, uh, I mean, Atlanta has some talent in, in developing. So mm, I um, agree. I, I think he's uh, a is a guy you kind of watch list in your really deep leagues, but I don't think you're drafted anywhere. No, 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 not even, not even draft champions. I don't think unless you no. really want your last pick, if you're a Braves fan, maybe that's the only thing I would really say is a 50th rounder, but really just wait and see and trust the Braves. If something starts to pick up new pitch, more velo, different mechanics, then you could take a mm-hmm. shot on Jackson Coar. All right, let's move on to a couple non-tenders that really stuck out. There were a handful of interesting ones, uh, but the two that really jumped out are a couple of big names. First being Brandon Woodruff. And now, of course, he's out for the year. And I think more than anything related to Woodruff specifically, this is just the, the full-on signal that they might rip this shit to the studs or damn close to it because Burnsy's gone. Right. Like we knew that we, we, we knew that when they dumped on him in arbitration. But I don't know if you saw this clip from Follow Territory, the, uh, the, the podcast that he was mm-hmm. on, where he basically said, I'm out, I'm gone. And he didn't say with any angst or, or anger, really, just like he, he knows the writing's on the wall. The team basically told him that they can't make him a competitive offer that wouldn't be insulting as far as an extension. And so I think he's just waiting for that that shoe to drop, um, as most of us are. So Burns is gone. Um, Next, you start to turn your attention to somebody like Willie Adamas. Does he yeah. stick around? Do they go get something for him? I don't think Yelich is gone because while he has rebounded and he's definitely good again, can they get enough for somebody that's owed that much? I don't know. But it might just be like Yelich, Contreras, and a bunch of youngsters uh, with Freddie Peralta atop the rotation. Because Devin Williams, I think, if you trade Burns and Adamas, you trade Devin Williams for sure, right? I mean, he's a reliever. I mean, I would think you would trade everybody. Like, I yeah. think you trade anybody, you know, I mean, I know Yelich is a little bit more difficult to trade because of his agent's contract, but, like, maybe you eat some of that 
to get the rest of it off your books and get. At least you're not back. selling low. You know, yeah. he wasn't injured this year. I mean, he had an injury, but he wasn't like, uh, you know, a wasted season. He was very good. 632 plate appearances. Nice four win season. Like he's bad. They also like don't necessarily need to tear it to the ground. Like they, you know. I, I agree, but I feel like this is an indicator that they might. I, I've been saying that they could do a retool, not a rebuild. I don't know that this I'm is. I'm thinking that they want to rebuild. I don't know that this, I mean, I think that, I mean, there was talk about this Woodruff injury being potentially career ending. So God, this may just, sucks. yeah, this, I mean, I don't think the Woodruff, um, the Woodruff move means anything other than they're, they don't think they're getting anything out of Woodruff, you know, in the near or distant future. And I guess um, to be fair to them, He's a free agent after this year. Why would yeah. you pay him like 15 mil to, well, I don't yeah. know what his arm would have been, but he made 11 this year, call it 13, 14, 15 mil, whatever, to just rehab and leave. Yeah. So I guess, I guess just such a shocking name because it's Brandon freaking Woodruff, but he's literally out for the year. Yeah. So why would they pay him? So that's fair. That's fair. So maybe they don't, maybe they don't tear it to the studs, but I, I'm fairly certain Burns is gone. I think Burns is gone by the trade deadline. Um, you know, I mean, I think they may look to, you know, see what they can get for him in the open market prior to the season. But, um, you know, I mean, this is a team that can still compete. I mean, they just won the division. Like, you know, I know, like the idea that they would they'd turn around and tear it down, um, seems a bit crazy to me, but they're also a team that, you know, cries small market and, mm -hmm. uh, and, they, you know, may just say like, hey, you know, we can't, you know, the Cardinals are clearly going to try to compete again and they should be better. And Cincinnati looks like they could be a powerhouse team in that division. Pittsburgh's getting better. You know, Chicago. Cubs, Cubs were yeah. there until the very end of it. Yeah, They're going to be back trying. We're a game away from making uh, the playoffs. So like maybe we are, maybe it's time we took our shot and now we're, uh, now we got to rebuild it. But um yeah, I don't know, man. Like it's, I think uh, there's a world where you could trade Burns and Adamas this offseason and get enough to load your team with Yelich, Peralta, um, kind of being and Contreras kind of being the foundation. I love Garrett Mitchell. Joe, uh, Joey Weimer's an interesting outfielder. You know, I think there's some pieces there south really. So you kind of have an outfield mm -hmm. uh, already there. You'd have to get a shortstop to to cover Adamas. Like you got to get some pieces, but the pieces that those two could bring and throw in Devin Williams. I think you could trade those three studs and get enough prospects yeah. and current talent to where it is more of a retool. But I am nervous that they might be ripping it to the studs. But we'll see. They shouldn't. They absolutely should not. And then the other one isn't surprising from talent, production, or, or severe lack thereof. But just from the name, Nick Senzel, former number two overall pick. He gone. Non-tendered. Um, is there any hope? Do you think a team maybe brings him back on the dirt to play some infield? He, he did get some infield this year. Um, actually, he's primary third base and then outfield kind of split between those two. A little bit of second base when India was out. But what, what's what's the future for 29-year-old Nick Senzel? And is there any interest by you? I mean, he's leaving one of the best parks, so you can't even tell me that if he goes so in, to some place, yeah. then it's going to be some great find for him. So what do you think about Senzel? Is he cooked? I think probably. Uh, okay. I mean, like I think you'll find a job somewhere. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just meant like fantasy landscape, <laughs> any more hype yeah. coming. I don't think so. I mean, unless he unless he goes to driveline and, you know, refigures. I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't, there's obviously anytime a guy is a number two overall pick and still in the league, like I'm not 
completely writing him off as he's done for good. But uh, at this point, like I, I think the future is he for him is he is a super utility guy. Yep. Um, and that has very little interest outside of mono leagues. Absolutely. Nick sent that'll just, and the simple fact is he hasn't produced either. Like he obviously has yeah. had injuries and not played much, but in his 1,366 plate appearances, he's a 77 WRC plus playing in freaking Cincinnati. So you're going to tell me he's going to a worse park, which unless he goes to Coors, he definitely is because mm-hmm. since he's number two. And so I just can't really get excited about him after years of being interested. It's a bummer, but uh, yeah, I'm keeping it. I'll keep him on the radar in terms of like, I, I too will at least check in, see what happens when he signs, if there's playing time potential, but I'm not, I'm not going to be pushing anybody to be like, no, no, let's get back on the Nixon's L train. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk some surprising steamer stat lines. The steamer projections are out. You can go on our page and you go to that top bar there where it says projections, move your mouse over it. You can get into the zips ones, which I believe are, Oh, they're not there yet. They're starting to come out. Sorry, he's doing the articles where he's rolling them out. But then if you scroll down the steamer there, you click that, you get all the players there. And you can go by position at the top. You can go by team. And you can go into the auction calculator at the bottom of that projections tab and put steamer in there to see what's going on and say, mm-hmm. oh, let's see what we've got here with these uh, with these projections. And I found some interesting ones, Justin, that really stand out to me. And they're not all on the positive end of guys being like higher than I thought. There's some guys lower than I thought. So I got one per position plus two pitchers. And, you know, this one doesn't totally surprise me because I love this guy. We've talked up this guy all summer. But the projections are backing the Yiner Diaz breakout. He is the fifth ranked catcher with a 273 average, 23 homers, 59 runs, 70 ribs, and a couple steals chipped in there. And like I said, I'm not completely surprised by that and think or even think it's bad or anything, but I was just surprised that the projections were ready to fully back him as well. What do you think of this Yiner Diaz uh, projection here to be the fifth catcher in fantasy next year? Uh, I mean, if you weren't already on board the Yiner Diaz hype train, I mean, it's kind of time to get on board because uh, the, the hype is going to be unreal. Um, yes. The problem is it's going to be going at such a furious pace that um, I think I may end up getting fucking blown off the fucking. You know, I'm worried about that, too, because yeah. I'm not sure I'm ready to like. He's already fully the commit fifth catcher on in ADP. So, okay. So they're just already matching the projections even before they came yeah. out. So it wasn't even hype. They they were kind of right. And I say right in quotes, right? Like we don't know projection is not Bible, but like I would have thought that when I saw him getting drafted fifth at catcher, that Yiner Diaz would probably come in at like 12 or 13 in the projections, but no, they fully back it. He's right there. He's behind only William Contreras, Sal Perez, Will Smith, and Adley Rutschman in that order, by the way. Notice I didn't say JT Real Muto. He's down at nine, by the way. If I can let you know on that. Yes. So Yiner Diaz at five. I agree with you. I might end up being left in the cold. For you, is it about the fact that he's a bad catcher and that they might start not letting him play as much? Or is it the plate skills because he has no idea what a walk is? Is it just the lack of track record? 
mix of those? What What, what is it? Because it's a 3% walk rate, 20% K rate for Diaz in his 377 plate appearances this year. Walk rates were better in the minors, but not so much so that when I tell you that he walked in about like a 6 7 8% clip in the minors that you're going to be like, oh, no, that's awesome. It was closer to 6 7%. But what do you think of Yiner Diaz? What are your reservations that you're not jumping fully in on him at the five spot? I mean, I think that it is going to be a matter of playing time. Um, I know that they said that he's, they're going to be the, the number dude. one catcher yeah. and that they're looking for a guy to fill in behind him. But like, and I don't know that his catching metrics are as bad as, you know, people have made him out. They, to be they weren't last year. He was actually better at framing than Martin Maldonado, yeah. but that, you know, that's static or that, the, the, those have, those are noisy, right? Like catcher yeah. numbers, defensive numbers are noisy. I still think mm-hmm. push come to shove. The better defensive catcher is Martin Maldonado, but he did out mm-hmm. Diaz did outdo him last year. Yeah. So I, I do just worry about like, okay, if they bring in, I don't, it, maybe it's Maldonado, maybe it's uh you know, a Jeff Mathis type um, that there are going to be certain pitchers in that rotation that go, well, I want, Give me this guy. Yeah. Give, give me the guy. Give me the guy who's really good at framing because one of the things that Diaz is not good at is framing. Um, you know, and so, and it's not like he's got the option to go play first or go DH. That's the tough part. Got Abreu and uh, your Adon Alvarez there. Like, uh, so I, I just worry that I think people are going to be looking at him as a guy that they can project for. 500 plus plate appearances. And I don't know that that's actually fair. You, you illuminate my concerns perfectly. That being said, I uh, love the player. Like I, I do too. I want him and I'm I'm actually, I'm sure once I do my projection, I'm going to be like, you know, my projection still says he's the number five catcher or the number four catcher. Um, And I'm not sure I'm all the way in because yeah, I just see a lot of risk and I just, there's so many catchers. That's that's the real takeaway. Like you highlighted the takeaways I have with, with the concerns I have with Diaz specifically, the fact that he can't really play anywhere else except but once in a blue moon to get Abreu off his feet or Alvarez off mm-hmm. his feet, or if they get hurt, which isn't out of the question, you know, Alvarez's injury history, Abreu's age. But then I look at so many catchers behind and going much cheaper. Like, yeah, I'm not out on Wilson Contreras. That's who I took in our gladiator. He went, he's pick 160. Yanner Diaz is pick 134. I get two rounds cheaper to get Wilson Contreras. And we don't have to name all of them because we've talked about how we like so many different catchers. So that's my concern I mean, you just said, like, in the projections, Sal Perez is a top five catcher. And Sal Perez is going number nine. Like, Sal Perez is going to be on one of my teams this year. I think so, too. He's become that boring guy that people aren't really excited about drafting. That, like, I think somebody like Dave Potts might have an 80% exposure rate to this year. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And if, if that's the case, then you want to be on something that Dave Potts has that much exposure to because that man just wins with boring ass players. And he admits it himself. I'm not digging at him. Even at like, all. like to me, like Jonah Heim was the number one catcher in fantasy until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. He came back, had a decent playoffs, right? Yeah. While playing hurt, right? Like he was play- still playing with the injury. And he is the number 14 cat- 14th catcher off the board right now. And like, who's right ahead of him? Name that guy too, because I love that guy still as oh, well. Logan O'Hoppy. Like, I mean, like, it's just, there's so many, even guys buying, like, Luis Camposano. Like, like, 
Tyler Stevenson, you know, I'm not quitting. Yeah, like, and he was the 18th catcher. I, I'm gonna have, and and, I mean, I know it seems weird because I just took JT Arumuto in our gladiator. Um, but like, I think I'm gonna have a really hard time kind of moving forward taking a catcher Mm -hmm. in the top 10 to be early. Gladiator's different because you're taking JT Arumuto because it's like locked in. Yeah, when that dude's healthy, he's playing. Yep, even if it's not himself the way he wasn't this year, you're still just getting a firm quality at catcher and again that gladiator league makes you do some things where it's like let me value this stability more than the upside but when we start getting our dcs i don't think you and i are taking top 10 catchers very often and i mean even like more and like when we start getting into kind of our you know regular standard drafts like when we start talking about yanir diaz potentially moving up into the top 100 picks like oh like, because I mean, that's where I think he may end up. I think you're right to push. Like, we're taking him over Alex Bregman. We're taking him over Kleber Torres. We're taking him over Spencer Steer. And, and that's if he goes Steele. up there. Just and, so people know, he yeah, like he's not above those guys yet, right? No, no, no. Those but are that's those where are he'd go 100. if Leonard like, Diaz is top 100. Currently, like, if you're taking him at pick 134, which is his DC price so far. Um, you're taking him over uh, Gavin Williams. I, I'm okay with that. Like he, one, I have a hard time with is George Springer. Like Springer is like, I you just drink feel that like bath water. Yeah, I do. I just drink the bath water. And like, I can't Christian blame you. Christian strand. Oh yeah. Like, I'm taking CES. Like, yeah. I mean, are you taking him over? I mean, Anthony Volpe, you know, you just took Volpe in our, in our gladiator. Yep. Uh, Dansby Swanson. Like, hmm. That's like, just, I, I don't know. Like those are, I, I don't think, I think those picking. are names. I think those are names that it makes sense if that's the way you want to construct your team, but he starts climbing up higher and he starts going over, you know, the Springers, the incarcerated strands, the Cedric Mullins. Like, I don't know that I'm going to be willing to do that, especially when he starts pushing up over some of those, you know, really exciting pitchers like, you know, Cole Reagans and yep. you know, guys like that. Then I think I'm going to have a problem. So it's just going to be tough with Yiner Diaz. The market's very high on him. And while I do get it, I think you got to be careful. You got to be yeah. careful with Yiner Diaz getting too set in the fact that he's a G. And it's less about him and more of what's available after him. First base, this one shocked me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I hang on. I did mess up. He's actually second, not first. Pardon me. But I'm still a little surprised to see that Vlad Jr. was second to Freddie Freeman mm. at first base. And, you know, coming off the very weird year, I, I don't I don't really know what to make of it. Um, it's very bizarre. I think uh, where he ranks first is that he his WRC plus of 144 for Vlad Jr. is first at first base, 143 for Freddie Freeman, and tied with Yandy Diaz at 144 as well. But then you go over to the auction calculator, you put in first base, and he's second to Freeman by 10 cents. So they're basically neck and neck there for first. Believe it or not, uh, Sal Perez jumps ahead of them because he qualifies at first, but that's only... You're not putting him at first, so I'm not counting that as a first baseman. But Vlad Jr., very weird year. Didn't really hit it home. Was it the new park? Was it just a fluke that happened to coincide with park changes? So we're automatically blaming it on that. Causation versus correlation type of deal. 285, 36 homers, 96 runs, 107 rabies, and 7 steals is the projection. 
do you buy that? Are you buying in on Vlad Jr.? Because he is out of the first round, out of the second round, not always, but as an ADP, pick 33. What do you think about that with Vlad Jr.? Oh, man. Um, I am buying on Vlad, I think. Do you buy this projection? Do you think that this is in line with what you're expecting? I buy certain aspects of it. Like 36 home runs feels like a bit high, right? Like, he, I mean, even if you just look at his 2022 numbers, you only hit 32 home runs. So like, yeah. I don't know where Steamer's coming up with like, uh, like 36 home runs. But Are we worried that they're putting too much weight on 21 when he hit 48, which included the, the yeah. baby parks that they played in. Cause I, I that's my concern. Yeah. Uh, however, I honestly think that they are low on plate appearances. Um, And so what he gives back in home runs may be gained in plate appearances. One of the reasons I was so high on Vlad Jr. coming into the season was that uh, this is a guy that you could pencil in, you know, close to 700 plate appearances. I didn't get that this year, but he 682 is pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're doing that with a good batting average and power in the way that our game has kind of changed, uh, I think that that is really, really valuable. And so I think that Vlad is probably a bit underrated right now. Um, I have not done my first base projections yet, but uh, I anticipate that I will probably have him as my number two first baseman as well. Uh, maybe Freeman. even maybe even my number one first base. Yeah, I, I'm ready to buy on Vlad. I'm ready to buy this discount. Um, you know that 36 is just a three year average, 48, 32, 26. Yeah, maybe that's where it comes so, from. So yeah, I think that's probably it. But again, I think then you're overweighing 21, not yeah, because I, of the distance that we are from it, but because he got like 25 of those homers in those small parks that they were playing in due to the COVID situation. He got. Yeah. Let me see. He got. Um, 22 of them, 10 in Salem Field, Solon Field, and 10, 11 in TD Park. And those were in 98 and 96 plate appearances, respectively. He absolutely ate at those parks. He hit 10 in Rogers Center in 152 plate appearances. And then, like I said, this year, Vlad was just very weird at home. We don't really know what was going on with that. If it was the park changes, um, he did eventually get to 10 homers, but I don't think he had a homer at home for quite some time. And it was just a bizarre year. But I'm staying bought in on Vlad Jr. I I don't I think um I think a 2021 esque season not quite a carbon copy but I think that is in the cards for sure with with him so I'll have him yeah high too I think I'm gonna have him around like you know pretty close to his 2022 season um, 32 97 90 runs eight steals and a 274 average got mm-hmm. no beef with that I think that's good let's go to second base. This one was on a surprise on the high end for me. Andres Jimenez checked in at seventh. So they're giving him some love. Um, you know, they're not punishing punishing him too much for what really wasn't that bad of a year, but he didn't maintain the excellent rate stats that he had last year. So I think it got lost in the shuffle of like, oh, Jimenez sucked this year. And like, listen, he dropped 46 points of batting average. That is colossal. He went from 297, 371, 466 to 251, 314, 399. That's big, but the the four counting categories, they really weren't that different. In fact, he traded two homers going from 17 to 15 for 10 steals to go from 20 to 30. 
He dropped seven ribbies, but added 10 runs from 69 to 62 on the ribbies up to 76 uh, runs scored. So all in all, you trade the batting average, you get 10 steals and 10 runs. It wasn't all that bad. He'll be 25 next year. Is Andres Jimenez simply a, a split between 22 and 23 for you? Do you lean toward more of 22 or 23? Where do you come out on Andres Jimenez? And has he been somebody who's been an early target at all? Uh, he's not someone who's been an early target for me as of yet, uh, but not definitely not someone I am shying away from. Uh, I do have my projections done for Andres Jimenez. Excellent. Let's hear. All of second base done. Uh, it is pretty much in line with what he did last season, which was 15 okay. home runs, 30 stolen bases. I have the exact same 253 batting average it was 251 um the part i really have a disagreement though i mean well i have a couple disagreements with steamer one i don't know where they're expecting this power growth to come from yeah let me give the numbers i only gave his two mm -hmm. seasons numbers i didn't give the steamer 265 average 19 homers 82 runs 76 ribs and 27 steals 19 bombs yeah yeah they got him and is coming into some power they also have him playing more, you know, they have him with, you know, almost 40 more, 35 more plate appearances than, uh, than last season. Um, I have a problem with, I don't know where this power growth is going to be coming from. I, you know, he's not a guy who like just crushes the ball or even tries to hit home runs for the most part. Um, and then I have a problem with the counting stats around him. So they've got mm -hmm. him for 82, 76, uh, and I've got him for uh, 76, 65. I think that's pretty, um, uh, pretty ambitious on the runs and RBIs. That for team them. is not. Yeah, the yeah. Guardians are not going to be good. Like, um, I'm not. I don't think they are. You know, they were a team that was so good in 22. And I've mentioned this a few times, but like, I can't remember exactly who did it because it was somebody who really crystallized it for me. And I wish I could give them their credit, but they were like why is everyone thinking that this team is just going to repeat what they did they got a lot of like not just overperforming seasons but ones that aren't particularly sustainable like their babbit infused or non-power guys spiking some power things like that and that person was 100 percent right whoever they are good job mythical person um and i don't know where the re like i love naylor we both love well i have to specify i love josh naylor i don't dislike Bo, but i'm just a big josh naylor fan jose ramirez is a god um I'm running out of guys that I that I want to hype for the offense after that. I so mean, where's where's he getting all these runs and ribbies for Jimenez? I like Jimenez by uh, by the way himself, yeah. but other than the Nailers, Ramirez, and Jimenez, where are we at on guys we like that it's going to get him 82 ribbies for God's sakes? Yeah, I, I honestly don't know, especially the ribbies, like the runs I could potentially see. Oh, yeah, 82 maybe. runs, it's 76 ribbies. Sorry, 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 I had a mix, yeah, yeah. but either either way, it doesn't change it. There's only six difference. The runs, have... I, yeah, the runs I don't have an issue with, and I'm and I have them for 76 runs. So like, um, because he is going to be hitting in front of Ramirez and Naylor, uh, but and Naylor, um, but. <laughs> I don't know where of Ramirez, I, Naylor, and Naylor. The back end of this lineup is going to include guys like Ramon Laureano and Miles Straw. Like, you bite your tongue about Ramon Laureano, good sir. Yeah, exactly. Like, so I, I just I think it's a bit ambitious in the runs and RBIs, uh, and I do think that the the batting average um, 
you know, they've got him at 265. I, I think that is a little ambitious as well. Uh, I think I have him, I think it's 253. Um, yeah, his XBA was 245. So like he, he was getting lucky to get his 251 uh, this year. So I, I don't know. He's he's definitely not going to be my seventh shortstop or second baseman. Um, but like he won't be, I don't think he'll be that far off. Like my projection isn't that far off from, you know, what Steamer came up with. I think it's yeah. just a little and bit more ambitious than me. He's 10th off the board. So that's not a huge disparity, but I was like, wow, that feels top, right. Top 10 for him. Yeah, I'm closer to that 10 spot. Uh, I was surprised when I saw that they had him seventh. This one, like, look, I get it. People are having a hard time quitting him, but I'm not in no universe. Am I paying a top 10 uh, position price for O'Neill Cruz? And they got him slotted seventh here for a guy that is he in the, he's still in the league. Like, I don't know, like who, who, who is O'Neill Cruz? I'm sorry to be nasty about it. I know he broke his ankle oh, last year and it was a freak you. accident. It, how dare me indeed. I'm getting tired of overpaying for this dude. Okay. Do something. 252, 27, 91, 74, and 22. The runs come before the ribbies there after the home runs. So um, 91 runs, 74 ribs, 22 steals and 638 plate appearances for O'Neill Cruz is enough to put him seventh at the position. I, I, I can't get there, Justin. I just can't pay the pay the premium on him. Now, in fairness, he's not going twelfth in ADP. He or he is going twelfth in ADP, not seventh. But that's a top one hundred pick. He's eighty fourth off the board, eighty fifth. I'm not paying it. Are you still in on the O'Neill Cruz hype, and to the point where you're paying paying the price? Ooh, probably not. Um, I mean, I think we have a very similar issue. Um, and maybe even a bigger issue at shortstop than we did last year. So last year there was this, you know, everyone was like shortstop deep, shortstop deep. But as we dug in, we went shortstops deep at the top, and then really thins out. This year, you said that I didn't agree with that, but I st I still think it's deep. Yeah. So uh, shortstop's just deep now. Um, like it's just just deep, uh, just flat and, out deep. Yeah. I mean, there are guys going outside of the top you know, 15 shortstops, um, which is, you know, around top 50, 150 picks like that mm -hmm. are really, really interesting. Um, you know, even guys going outside of like top 200 picks that, yep. are, you know, JP Crawford, you know, Zach Neto. Had a great season, by the way, Crawford. Yeah. You Pena, know, Tim Anderson. If you still love Pena, if you love yeah. Tim Anderson, you know, um, you can do some buybacks there on guys. A little bit higher, Story and, and Adamas at 170 and 185, mm -hmm. respectively. Correa, if you're still bought in, is dirt cheap at 263. Um, yep. You know, whew, I got a hard time pulling the trigger, but, uh, you know, it's there. So you're right. It Even is, like it Mason Wynn, like Mason Wynn's going to be an everyday player, I think, coming into the season. So, like, you know, and I think he's been a little bit buried because he did not have you know, a good start to his career, but like this was a top 10 prospect in baseball. That's not going to have an everyday. You're sure he's going to start 50. I think so. Why wouldn't he? Where's he going to play? Shortstop. Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond's going to get traded. Okay. There's your missing piece. Okay. We'll see yeah. if that happens, then I'll, I'll get on board. That with at least had, then. That, that's what my friend, Matt Thompson says. Matt, Matt's locked in. Matt's uh, locked in. I, I believe everything Matt Thompson. And here's the thing. If you want to take a shot at Mason Wynn, it's 351 in the ADP. So I'm not I'm not exactly. dogging you out for that. 
He's not starting right now unless they move Edmund or Gorman. But if they do, then I'm fully bought in with you guys. And I do trust Matt as well. So we'll operate under that notion and we'll wait for that chip to fall there. Um, but let's get back to our guy, O'Neill Cruz here. You're saying you're not buying because of the depth. So what do you think of the line that's projected here? Obviously, he can reach it. But projections are, you know, they're generally living in a world of like 50% percentile. And so it's like that's supposed to be kind of a modest outlook. And it still slots him seventh at the position. Where, where do you stand with these numbers here? 27 homers, 91 runs, 74 ribbies, and 22 steals. So when, when, like you said, when a projection is done, it is typically a 50th percentile projection, right? It's going to be, be smack dab. It's a median projection that's smack dab in the middle of his outcomes. The problem with a player like O'Neill Cruz is the range of outcomes are so wide. A lot. so wide. Like, they're just... Like he could be best player in baseball, or he could be like nothing. Javier Baez. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, I think he, in some ways, he could be worse than Javier Baez because we know that Javier Baez is playing every day in the major leagues. That's true. O'Neill Cruz, no guarantee, right? Um, especially coming off of a catastrophic injury, his issues with swing and miss. Like, if he's playing in the minors or just injured, like, I'm not gonna be surprised. So. I, to me, when I'm taking a player as high as you have to take a guy like O'Neill Cruz, um, mm -hmm. which is currently like pick 85, like I want some, I mean, obviously no player is completely safe, but I want some assurance of safety. Um, and I, I do don't know that you get that with O'Neill Cruz. I understand the tantalizing upside that you don't have to spend a top 50 pick on. But stuff has been a top 100 pick. I mean, I, I'm taking. I think Xander you will Bogarts. have to. I think you will have to spend a top 50 pick on him at some point. Oh, watch him hit three homers in spring, and O'Neill Cruz's price is going. If, yeah, if he's 50, playing every, if he's, right. if he's play every day in spring, then like his price is going to be a top 50 pick. Yep, you're not wrong at all there. So. If you like him, you should be buying in the winter, as is often the case with these guys. Let's go from one cruise to another, and the can, comps are so. Can we so... just talk real quick about the projection before you? Yes. I, um, I don't have a problem with the power projection. We know he's got twenty-seven. Power, yep. Right. I don't have a problem even with the stolen bases. Like we know he he's can run. Where That's did they get runs. two fifty-two batting average? Well, and ninety-one. I thought you were going to go to the ninety-one runs, but the two fifty-two. Let's talk about that first. He had 250 in the tiny sample last year. He has 237 in his 410 career plate appearances. I agree. How is that the 50th percentile? Is it just because he smacks the living piss out of the ball that they think O'Neill Cruz can just will himself to a 250 average? I don't know. You know what his XBA was last year when he um, hit that? Or yeah, last year when he hit that 250? 265. 213. Oh the wrong way i went the wrong way yeah. there completely. he swings and misses so damn much like yeah well that's always my concern with with him and guys and he, like that and their batting average was, can be a sink even when he was hitting well in 250 for him as well so mm -hmm. you gotta kind of recalibrate your your uh your thought process on what is hitting well um he had a four percent barrel rate like wow. i know it that's only, it yeah i mean it's only 25 batted ball events so like you know obviously yeah. like but like it's not like he was hitting the cover off the ball before he got hurt. Like, he, mm -hmm. you know, he was, he was fine. He had one home run in, you know, 40 plate appearances. In fairness, it was a week of baseball too. It was. Let's not, not get too hard on O'Neill Cruz for the nine games that he played. Uh, but even if you look back at 
2022, 87 games. He hit 233 with 17 homers, 10 steals. Like there the fantasy have, heat is there. He did have a 15% barrel rate. Um, though, again, his batting average is 233 and his XBA was 223. Like he So you can't even just power through a batting average. It is basically what that's showing. And which then leads us back to our original question: how the hell do they get to 252? Yeah, for a little that I don't get. Like I think I think he is. I'm probably going to protect him for like two thirty, um, mm-hmm. if if that. Like I mean, I was thinking thirty five or forty, but same same vibe there. Where I'm not at two fifty two as a projection. I can't imagine Cruz. I'm even going to get up to two thirty five. I'm not. I don't think I blame you for being being tough on him. Um, and I love. I mean, if I was you listen say, to the pod, you're the guy. I have been the O'Neill Cruz guy, but like. I, I that know, just dude. underscores the volatility and, and worrisome. And that doesn't even include he's coming off of a major injury mm-hmm. that he didn't come back from, right? He was so, there was talk, oh, he's going to be back. He's going to be back. He's going to come back. Never came back from it. And he got picked up multiple times in my leagues. I picked in him anticipation. Up. Like, yeah, yeah, the yeah, news I mean, was like, <gasps> but yeah, it didn't like, happen. It just did not happen. And what do we always say? And obviously we always say it with pitchers, you know, or we say it with pitchers more often than we say it with hitters. I want to see a guy back on the field. That's what, you know, if I feel, if I'm going to feel really comfortable about drafting him again the following year, I want to see him back on the field. Yep. And so I just can't do it. I will not be in on the O'Neill Cruz hype train. Let's go to Ellie. He qualifies at third, so we can slot him in at third here. He's, he, he ranks 16th. This is one to the negative where I was surprised that they didn't overrate Ellie, which I got to be honest, between the two, I think I would be inclined to give him more love than O'Neill because we saw something from he ranks 19th at short, 16th at third with a 245 average, 19 homers, 64 runs, 65 ribs, 27 steals. They don't like him nearly as much, Ellie De La Cruz, and they've got him coming in, you know, pretty light relative. Uh, the market doesn't agree, obviously, at all. He's quite literally 21 ADP. So there's a big disconnect there. Do you think that this steamer projection will have any influence in bringing the price down at all? You know, a lot of people that play NFBC pay attention to things like this. Do you think that'll magnetize him down? Not a lot, but I'm talking like a around maybe like at most i think i i don't know i i doubt it is is why I, I don't really have a good hold of it but do you think that there's any influence to be had there from this projection on ellie de la cruz's draft spot i think it could like i think you could drop him below Corey Seager and francisco lindor but i don't see it dropping him down like another 10 picks which is what you would need to drop below gunner henderson okay um, so oh, yeah, and so to go below below Seager and Lindor is really just a four or five pick drop. Yeah. So I could see that. Um, especially when you talk about just the level of safety you get with um maybe not so much with Seager. With Lindor for sure. Good, Lindor for sure. Yeah. Uh so healthy Seager, yes, but we know his health. Mm-hmm. You you've highlighted it you know, over the years, and he got yeah. hurt even this year. So yeah. you know a healthy, I, I, I mean how if you could guarantee me 145 games from Corey Seager, like he's a first rounder. I mean, I'm taking him in the late um, first, yeah. Yeah. So uh I don't know what to do with Ellie. Like this would I'm be just one surprised. that I agonize over. Uh I'm definitely less interested in him at his price uh i i this projection is really interesting to me because it says 
God, this is such a weird projection. I think this projection is actually fair. I just think O'Neill Cruz should have the same one. It's I, really my beef. Or very close to. I don't think this projection makes sense at all. And this is why. This projection gives him 506 plate appearances, mm-hmm. 19 home runs and 27 stolen bases on one of the best young offenses in baseball where it's hurting him is in the runs and RBIs. If he's getting 500 plus plate appearances on the reds this year, he's scoring more than 64 runs. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I don't, you know, because the batting average isn't that bad either. They're giving him a boost in batting average from last year at 245. I, this projection makes zero sense to me. Bring back in O'Neill, 91 runs to Ellie getting 64 on those two team contexts. Are they saying that Ellie's going to bat seventh? Or 12th? Not in, not Just make in, up not, a new slot for him? Not If he's hitting 19 home runs and stealing 27 bases, he ain't hitting that low. No. So that, you know, that is a little weird disconnect there for me. And yeah, by I, the way, this is just, we're, we're just picking these apart, but we love, we respect Steamer, Jared and company. Not, no hate, no hate. We're just, yeah, some of these raise I, an eyebrow. I just, this doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah. That's one, this one got me a little bit where I was just like, I don't really see that. I, I am, the, what I do like about it is it's more measured in the average homers and steals, which I do respect. Um, that's the part of it that I do like where I like it's a little bit more measured, but it doesn't matter anyway because his price is sky high. If you want Ellie, get ready to pay a second round pick. And I'm not sure it's going to move that much based off of this, but that did stand out to me that he was so much lower than O'Neill. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to check something real quick before we move on to the okay. sky. Um, because what I want to see is what happens when we use depth charts projections because they Ooh. give him... Uh, 40 more plate appearances, uh, which ups his um, uh, it ups his projection, you know, his runs and RBIs uh, while keeping the same stat lines. Uh, I like that. So he moves okay. up to the 11th third baseman. Okay, so that's a nice little that's a little jump. Um, and then that's from 16th moved, to 11th uh, to 16th at shortstop. Okay. So he gets a he gets a little boost in both spots, and then it brings O'Neill down to ninth. By the way, in that same rundown, so now yeah. you got him at nine and sixteen. Still too far apart for my liking because I just don't view them that differently. But at least it's closer there with the depth chart outlook that gives Ellie um, five hundred forty six plate appearances, which I also think is light. By the way, I want to be clear. Mm-hmm. I I also yeah. think like why is he not getting six hundred plus? Are, are we just projecting injury? Like what? What? What's keeping him? Oh, from who? Ellie. I mean, I think the the argument is they're so stacked that if he doesn't hit, then he could then get he gets down. demoted for uh, a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, which or, I which I understand, off but extra off days and other guys get in. I guess I just yeah I don't know, but yeah we'll see. Um, I got one for you that you're gonna like I think because it's your boy one one of your boys Anthony Santander over in the outfield and you know he's coming off a pretty sneaky good season that maybe not everyone was clued in on because uh if you didn't have him on your team or whatever but they got him ranking 22nd over at at the outfield with a 251 29 homer 83 run 94 ribby four steal and 661 plate appearance projection good for 22 
That's pretty nice for Anthony Santander. Meanwhile, he goes as the 31st outfielder off the board. Obviously, I know you like him, but what do you think of this projection specifically? And are you taking him ahead of that 31st outfielder uh, projection? Um, I know I've I've kind of, you know, said I don't understand, you know, some of the projections, but I mean, I don't think Steamer could have uh, hit this one in the head any better. It's it's, um, it's it's like a Santander homer. It is so well struck. I mean, it's it's literally. I mean, this is who Anthony Santander is, which is like high twenties, low thirties homers, um, and you know, a mediocre batting average, and you know, on an offense that should continue to get better. And so the runs and yep. RBIs, you know, feel right. Um, yeah, I think this is fine. Uh, I think he is undervalued in the market. Uh, and he's the perfect guy that if you're a little bit light on power after your first few rounds that you can kind of pivot to and go, oh, well, I know I'm getting pretty close to 30 bombs. Now, you didn't do this, so you're not mm -hmm. taking heat for this. Um, but in draft champions, Wyatt Langford is directly ahead of him as the 30th outfielder. Um, and I, I cite you specifically because for those that don't know, you took him in the gladiator, but you put, you took him at pick 232, yeah. 98 picks below his ADP, uh, yeah, or at least his DC it was, ADP. It was pretty much just like, I was at a point of the draft where like, there was nobody standing out to me. So you except said for Wyatt Langford, yep. <laughs> was he like, just kept oh. standing like at the top of our board. Oh. And we both even talked about him. Like yeah. maybe if he goes another couple rounds and he went another couple rounds. Yeah, and I just, uh, you know, I just went, you know what, if it if it was a $500 uh, Gladiator, not that I think they even have those, but if it was like a $500 Gladiator, like I probably wouldn't have done it because I do stand by what I said on the last episode, which is there is a chance like he's just not in the majors for a while and you got yeah. to take zeros in, in that format. But in a $50 Gladiator... I'll, I'll just throw the dart. Take the gamble you know. that he's up after the uh, the requisite, what, 10, 11 days to manipulate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, boom, he's up. And he and Evan Carter, which who, by the way, goes, they, it's a little Texas sandwich here with Santander. Mm -hmm. It's Langford, Santander, and Carter. So let's focus on the draft champions, where that price is. Is it insane to take Langford at that price with Santander going six picks later? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Just want to make sure um, we're on the same page. I wouldn't even and, take Evan Carter over White Langford if I'm just being honest. I don't really understand. You mean over that. over Santander? No, no, no. Just comparing the two Texas guys, I would take Carter over Langford. Oh, why is he? Why is Langford over. even going over Carter? Let alone Santander? Because like, I think I, I, I get I, the hype, I, but I because the upside is greater. Like Carter, I don't think has like first round upside where Langford does. Does um, Langford run? Um, that I can't, I think he does a little bit, but I'll double check before I put my foot in my mouth. Um, because give me the guy who you know is gonna live on base and score a hundred runs yeah. without blinking. I mean, Langford had you know, I mean, Langford had 12 stolen bases between four levels, he's got 70. Okay, that's speed. good. Um, okay, okay, then he, yeah, I think he a, lot, a lot of it just comes down to what do we think he's gonna. Get. like is he gonna be i mean he crushed every level so it's mm -hmm. so hard to be like you know like but he's also projected to have like a 50 grade hit pool so like we just don't know right like it we, was such yeah. a crazy run after being drafted the florida product dominated 
frankly, if they had had like one more injury, he could have been in the Evan Carter role, like with him side by side, they could have been the two corner outfielders dominating in the playoffs or something like that's how crazy this, the, the world series winning team is going to get Langford to add to their team. If they do no other moves, they'll run it back and bring mm-hmm. Langford. That's crazy. But anyway, this is about Santander. I'm sorry. I've, 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 I've obscured your boy here by talking about these two Texas dudes. Bottom line is projections love him. You love him. Market doesn't love him. Do you suspect that you're going to have a decent bit of Santander again yeah. this year? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this will be the third year in a row that I just soak up as many shares of Santander as I can, uh, especially if the price, um, because he's boring. You know, people or he's looked at as boring. He doesn't. He, you know, he run. He doesn't run very much. He's 29. Um, yeah, he. You know, he's in a bad park. Uh, you know, the the team around him isn't amazing, though. I think it's just going to get better and better as as some of these young players could be next year. Could yeah. be next year. Um, I think that he's. I think this is the perfect Dave Potts type pick, right? Like a guy mm-hmm. that you know, you you know, he's not going to win you the league, but he is just a fantastic glue guy, especially like I said, if you need power. And I think with him juxtaposed against the two Texas guys shows you why somebody like Dave Potts takes Santander, because mm-hmm. if you're betting on those three, who gets 500 plate appearances and you've got like $50 to divvy up, you should put like 46 of them on Santander yeah. And then two each on the other two guys. Like if, you, if you're just saying who gets 500 plate appearances for your life, that's how you should break it down. And that's kind of Dave Potts's theory in a nutshell. I, I, he's much more detailed and smart than that, but he's just mm-hmm. looking for guys that are going to F and play. And he doesn't need the flashy, cool guy who's in the league a year after he was drafted like Wyatt Langford. All right. We got two pitchers to talk about one up, one down the up one. <laughs> I can't prove this, but I'm 92% sure that Nick Pollock of PitcherList hacked the mainframe over at Steamer HQ and put this in here because he got Mason Miller as the 18th ranked starter. 18th, Justin. Actually, hang on. I did make one change. It only had um, a default of eight pitchers in, and I did do... 12 so let me let me make sure he still ranks that high bottom line he's going to rank way higher than i'm comfortable with for mason miller their projection is eight wins a 349 era 117 whip and 168 k's in 136 innings in what universe is mason miller getting 136 innings he's 21st he did move down a little bit but what do you think of this ranking this one jumped out to me big time with mason miller as the 21st first starter off the board uh or not off the board uh projected yeah, so I mean, this is, you know, when like a lot of people uh, have asked me, like, why did you do your own projections? And, um, uh, and you know, because obviously I'm probably not gonna beat the machines. Um, you no. know, this, this isn't, it's not you know, about that for me, it's about learning you know, the player pool super in depth. Personally, I don't know what your for me, raison d'etre was. I, one, it's I wanted to kind of take some of the noise out of like, oh, do I like this guy better? Do I like that guy better? And ha- by how much? The other thing is, I think there are certain things projections don't do well um, and kind of miss out on. And one of them is playing time. Uh, and this is a prime example of uh, not understanding how in the world a anyone, anything... Man, machine, animal, mythical beast, 
God. A Pegasus. Yeah. I, actually, I would do the Pegasus projections. They've had some good projections over the years. Don't yeah. mm-hmm. don't shade them. But anyway, continue. Uh, can project Mason Miller to throw 136 innings. How? Just, how is that? How can I, that be your projection? I mean, like, I can't get triple digits for him right now. I can go 80 as a projection. Yeah. And then if he beats that, great. I'm interested. Like, I'm not fully out, won't ever take him, don't even talk to me. But, like, I don't know how you can be super aggro when this guy has 39 minor league innings and he was drafted in 2021. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, you throw in the extra 33. Pro innings. Yeah. In, yeah, threw in the majors. And, like, hey, he got the 60. Sweet. Uh, I, I don't, like, yes, on a per inning basis, I think he could be a really, really amazing, effective pitcher. Um, that you know, like if we if this was a video game and we took injuries off, uh, yeah, like he's all he over might him. even he even might even Oakland. be a top fifteen guy. Um, mm-hmm. But this is not uh, the world we live in. Yeah, that's not the world we live in. And like, uh, he will not be in my top fifty starting pitchers. Like, it just now. Let's be fair and point out that this is just a projection. The market is not doing that. Yeah, he has absolutely. picked 275, Mason Miller is, as the 112th pitcher off the board. Um, I wouldn't say that that's too rich for my blood. That's like in line. Like there's a bunch of guys here of varying uh, qualities. On the old end, you got like Charlie Morton and Lance Lynn, Stroman and Lugo. On the young end, you got someone like Shoto Iminaga coming over. I have not heard mm-hmm. that name pronounced, so I pro- apologize if I'm incorrect on that. Paul Skeens, Reed Detmers, um, you know, in the middle, Yusei Kikuchi, John Means. So you got you run the gamut in that price range. I'm fine with the price. I just I was stunned to see that they were projecting him for that many innings. And by the way, I will tell you, it is far and away the fewest innings within the top 30 pitchers. And yet he ranks 21st because they love so much what he can do. By the way, I haven't even gotten into my beef with the eight wins. Where the hell is he getting eight wins? Are, are <laughs> Is Oakland pay, playing 250 games this year? <laughs> I mean, they think he's going to win a third of his starts. Exactly. They have him for 23 starts. Um, uh-uh. I, I mean... Wins I are hard to project. I get it. But you yeah. say the crappy teams get fewer wins, the good teams get more. That's still a crappy team. Even or, if you think they're going to be better than 58, 50 and 112 this year, which I think they're going to be, but I've been wrong about them. They think he's going to get 50% of Oakland's team wins. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yeah, they're going to win 16 this year, and he's getting eight. Yeah. So, again, this sounds like we're dogging on Mason Miller. We're just facing facts of what his health has been. And the only reason I bring up Nick was because we actually had a little debate about him because he loves him. He's taking the gamble. He wants to Where shoot the moon. Where does Nick have him in the list? That's a good question. I'll look that up. As um, Let's move on. Let, let, or no, no, we won't move on. But wait till I tell you the guy on the, on the low end. You're going to freak. But let's see. The top, yeah. the top 24 or top 2024 guys. We've got 56th for Mason Miller. See, that's fine. Like, he, that is, uh, I have still a no little rich idea. for my blood, but not egregious. Like, I, I, yeah. because Nick, it, for Nick specifically, he loves the nastiness of him. He's like, give me the yeah, nastiness. Absolutely. I don't care if he gets negative two wins. I'll figure that out. Now, one of my points of contention, and I also pointed out that this might be a recency bias influence for me because we just came off the season in in the main event where i damn near had the best pitching in the league and had the fewest wins like i was great in k's 
mm -hmm. ERA, WHIP, and I was second to last or last in wins. I can't remember exactly where I finished. And so maybe I'm just a little too caught up in that because I will take the best pitcher regardless of what team they're on. And maybe I did too much of that. And I got guys on too many crummy teams and probably had some bad luck mixed in there too. But that's why I, I'm not, I think what really surprises me about Nick's excitement for Mason Miller is I would have thought in the league types that he's in that he wouldn't want that guy. I do kind of get it. He does form focus more on like 12 teams. And it's like, if he busts, you just throw him back and, and go get somebody else. I, I get that to a degree, but I don't know if I'm taking an Oakland starter in any 12 teamer. I don't think I would take Mason Miller in a 12 teamer. I don't think I would necessarily. Because I don't think either. you can take the wins hit in those formats. Like, yeah. you, well, everything also, has to in, rise up. You know, we'd have to talk to Nick about this. And mm -hmm. maybe, maybe we can have him on uh, when we when we do like a starting pitcher preview. Um, that sounds great. Because I'd love to hear what his process is in terms of translate. Because I think Nick is obviously, and, and rightfully so, he's really, really good at it, focused on skills. Like he's, yes. he's focused more on skills. And like how much does, you know, because he reevaluates, you know, does a fantastic pod, uh, you know, without, you know, was with Alex Fast out there. Now with Eric. Um, like what his process is in evaluating, okay, like, yes, do I, like from a straight skills perspective and maybe even from a, uh, you know, health perspective, Mason Miller is his 56th starting pitcher. But like when he starts to really think about the fact that Oakland may not win 56 games, uh, like how much does that affect? you know, where he'd be willing to take a guy like Mason Miller, because yeah, I, I, I mean, what if, what if what we saw from Mason Miller at the end of the season is how Oakland plans on using him? Yeah. Like we're talking about like when he came back from injury, he didn't go deeper than three innings in any single one of his appearances. He wasn't even starting in his last three appearances. Like exactly, it was two, three, and two innings out of the bullpen, which I get. You know, they're not trying to. He's coming off an injury. They're not mm -hmm. fighting for anything, but they're but not when really fighting off of injury. And when are they going to be fighting for something? Like, exactly. So, like, I mean, I just there. Why would yeah. they push him? Why would they even push him that much? And look, you can't just not use pitchers that doesn't save them. That's not been proven to just save them, but. Buck 36 feels aggro to me. And that's how he ended up that high Getting there. Triple digits is going to be uh, a challenge for me. I already know I'm coming in at 80, 85 on the projection. Yeah. I, as, I think, as a yeah, I, I think just can't 90, get higher than that. 90 feels right. And, and maybe 90 still puts him as a top 50, top 60 pitcher. Sure. Uh, because the skills are so loud, but, but not um, 21. I'm probably giving him three wins. Everything else is fine, by the way. I want to be clear. I don't hate the projection outside of the eight wins and the innings, but those are the key drivers that push him to 21. Mason Miller of the Oakland A's, who we're still talking about here. 349 ERA, 117 whip, 168 Ks. Well, even the Ks then, because the innings are high. But the like ratios are, are fine. Um, and even the K rate, I will probably have a mm -hmm. similar rate of Ks for 85, 90 innings. So I don't know. And then, Justin, when I tell you who my negative guy, the guy that I was surprised was so low is, and you juxtapose that against the fact that Mason Miller was this high, it further boggles my mind. Yuri Perez at 57th with eight wins as well, 408 ERA, 123 whip, and 137 Ks in 109 innings. I'm sorry, why does he have 109 innings? Oh, excuse me, it's 123 innings. Why does he have 13 fewer innings than Miller? 
uh, I don't understand. I, I don't. I what? Like I, I don't. I don't get it. I. I. What am I missing? Like I understand that. Like there were some struggles, you know, at the end of the season, but like he was, you know, he was being pushed in a way that he had never been pushed before. And he's he, twenty. He was twenty. Yeah, he was yeah, 19, 20 years old. Like. I don't understand this projection at all. Um, like he does everything he's supposed to do. Um, and even with his struggles at the end of this, you know, towards the end of the season, he still finished with a three fifteen ERA. Unbelievable for Yuri Perez. He was, you great. know, a one thirteen whip and they have his whip being pushed up to 123 when you got a guy who's got an almost 30% strikeout rate like i'm sorry like yeah I, what's with 137 k's and 123 innings yeah i i don't get this at all like i just um this this feels like uh just a a, a miscalculation yeah i mean yeah it feels yeah. like outright slander. Now, I did take him in the Gladiator, full disclosure. Maybe I'm butthurt because I just took him. But no, I just, I, I I think when you pair the two together is where you really lose me. I'm like, just how are we getting over to this angle when here he is? I, I, I just don't see it. Like, there, to be quite honest, especially because they have him with pretty much the same walk rate. They have him with a better home run rate. Um, they ha- they somehow they have his left on base rate coming down quite a bit. They got Yuri Perez going from eighty three to seventy three, which would move the ERA up a bunch. Um, I think that's part of it, or the the bulk of it, to be honest. And an extra hit per inning from seven point one to eight flat. I, yeah, I I don't. I still. I'm not sure. I, I don't agree. I don't agree. Yeah. I mean, um, I I I could definitely see an argument that he regresses. That maybe. You know, it wasn't so much of him running out of gas that we started to f- uh, figure him out a little bit. Sure, that's but possible. Then project him at like a 360 ERA. You know, project and him I at still a. Still give him more innings than Mason Miller. I'm still that is, that's giving the him part more innings. That boggles my mind. Like, it just, I, I, that. What do you put? Is, I know you haven't done pictures yet. What, what are you thinking? Like 150, 160 for Yuri Perez as a projection? Yeah, I'd say 155 is probably that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, the 123 here is kind of surprising honestly, to me. Honestly, with the way Miami uses their pitchers, um, I wouldn't they be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 180. Yeah, um, I may actually project him for higher than 150 uh, or 155 because I, you know, Miami has been an organization in which they have pushed their their young pitchers. They've not mm-hmm. worried about innings limits. Um, no, because and, you got a finite number of bullets, and if mm-hmm. it's time, it's time. Now, he did end the season injured. Maybe there's some concern there with the left SI joint inflammation. I do not know what that means. You don't want your left Sports Illustrated joint to be inflamed. I do know that, but uh, I have no idea how much carryover that is or if the if the offseason is enough to just kind of get Yuri Perez ready to go but yeah I just really didn't agree with this one um or the Mason Miller ones these are probably honestly of the entire list the two pitchers are probably my two biggest disagreements with steamer everything else I think I can kind of get to in one way or another I didn't even have disagreements with all of them but uh the two that really stand out to me where I'm like I I can't do it are the two starters yeah yeah so yeah 
don't All right. it, honestly. I think that's going to wrap it up here for some surprising steamer stat lines on both ends, positive and negative. Uh, we're going to be off Friday. We're going to go ahead and take Friday off. Enjoy the holiday here. But uh, mm-hmm. like I said, my chats are back. I am going to be chatting Wednesday. So if you want to come out, got Lottie in the comments saying, hey, I got to work. I'm going to be here. I'll be asking questions. Cool. As long as y'all are filling the queue, I'm happy to hang out and chat. So I'll be, be uh, doing I'll- that. I'll restart my chats next week as well. Perfect. So, so starting um, next week. I'll be week, on a full schedule as well for next week. Um, November 27th, you get Justin's chats back. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, outside of holiday here and there, everything's pretty much back in order. We're back, ready to go. We're working on projections. We're working on articles. We're getting it all done. Justin, I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Hope you had a good birthday. And uh, we'll stay talking on the text and everything, but I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.